On this episode of Benchwarming Podcast, I talk about the truly masterful performance that we saw from Tiger Woods this weekend at the Masters to win his green jacket. I also talk about the start of the NBA and the NHL playoffs as best as I can, and then we finally, finally get to turn our attention again to the MLB. It's going to be a great show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, and somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back to Benchwarming Podcast. It's been a little bit longer than expected for me to get back on here. I was pretty sick the past week, which was when I was supposed to release last. So that kind of affected me. I had to push back a week, but it ended up really well because I'm coming out to you tonight. I'm recording this Masters Sunday night, and I'm not going to give a little outline as to what the show's going to look like. It was right there before the intro music, so there's no point in me repeating it. So let's just go ahead and dive on into the Masters and... I don't know how to describe the Masters. If you're not a golf fan, if you're just a casual sports fan that needs action and high-scoring things to get you excited and everything, then there's no way that this is going to appeal to you. But what we witnessed over this past weekend, this Masters tournament, was perhaps the greatest comeback story we have seen in sports. I'm talking... Bigger than the 3-1 deficit in 2016 for the Cubs. Bigger than the 3-1 deficit that LeBron faced with the Cavs and the Warriors. It had been 14 years since Tiger Woods put on a green jacket. It had been 11 years since he had won a major title. We haven't seen him compete like this in such a long time at a major event like this. And it was it was truly a, astonishing to see him play like this. But I feel like what's missed in all the cut up of everything that's happened with him winning is just how truly amazing the competition was as a whole. Heading into the second nine, there were eight golfers all within one stroke. And at one point, five golfers tied for the lead. And to see that many young, it was a mix of young golfers. And then you've got the Tiger Woods, you know, these people that grew up watching Tiger win his first Masters and then win back to back Masters. What we got to witness were the top golfers in the world go head to head and duke it out with someone who we thought at one point would never play golf again after he started having his back problems. A few years ago, he didn't think he would play another round of golf professionally in his life. But here we sit, Masters Sunday, and all of a sudden, he's back on top. You know, he came into Sunday being two strokes back. He was in the final group. I mean, it was it was lining up to be a perfect day for him. We go through the first nine. He's still two back and it's starting to look, okay. what's going on? You know, maybe maybe he's going to be just short again. Maybe we're not going to see it. And then all of a sudden, hole 12 comes out. We saw four of six golfers in the last two groups. These are the top golfers in the world. Some of the best talent golf has seen in a very long time go out there. And four times we saw golfers who, on average, can easily hit 250 yards on a drive, no problem. Four of six golfers found the water on the 12th hole. Four of six golfers got double bogeys. And all of a sudden, everything switched on a dime. I watched it all day long, how it just kind of seemed like Tiger would get right there, but then things would break back the other way for Molinari. Tiger would start to get going good, and then all of a sudden someone else would jump up. And it was just like, okay, something's going to have to happen. Something is going to need to break in his favor. And I said the whole day that I thought it was going to be at least 12 under that was going to win the Masters. And sitting there through the end, I was like, it's going to be 12 under at least to win the Masters. 12 under would have gotten you second place. 
and 13 under is what won it. I wasn't very big into watching golf for the longest time. I watched Masters tournaments over and over again because it's the Masters. I mean, it's it's the biggest thing that we see in golf, I guess you could say. And to be able to sit back and watch this tournament this year compared to previous tournaments, it was one of the best Masters I have seen. All day yesterday, it was just great golf. We saw two golfers, I think, maybe three hit a 64, which tied for the course record as lowest score. And then today we see these golfers go out and play fantastically. But in the end, what we saw was what we're used to seeing in the early 2000s. Tiger Woods finally comes out on top, his experience and everything. It was just, it was a truly amazing experience. And I will say it, it is definitely in my top three for biggest comebacks, top four. I mean, things that I have personally watched, it's definitely in the top three for comebacks. And honestly, it's probably number two, and it would be number one if I wasn't a Cubs fan. But because I'm a Cubs fan, that is number one. Tiger comes in at number two, and LeBron comes in at number three for the top three comebacks that we've seen, especially in this generation. That is all just in this generation, too. Like, even more specifically, that's all within the past decade. Forget generation. Forget all time. In the past decade, we have seen three of the biggest and most unbelievable, personally, comebacks that we have seen in sports. And I think that's what makes this tournament so special this year is that 14 years between green jackets, 11 years between major wins, this guy comes in, no one really expected him to actually be there. He said that he finally felt healthy enough and that he felt like he he could compete for a major championship. And he played well Thursday and Friday. He played well going into Saturday, but it looked like he was just going to be just short, especially after the first nine. But then the second nine, it's like, I mean, everything aligned for him. Everything aligned perfectly, and all he had to do was go out there and play Tiger Woods golf like we have seen so many times in the past that has gotten him a win, and that's what he did. I can sit here and talk about it all day, but if you guys aren't golf fans, you're not going to get it. If you didn't watch the Masters, if you don't know what Tiger Woods meant for the world of golf and the world of sports in general for so long in the 2000s, then you're not really going to get what makes this so amazing. You're not going to get why I feel like this is one of the best stories that we're going to have this year in sports. We can see a lot of things. We can see, you know, some outstanding things. I still think that when the end of this year comes, when the end of 2019 hits, unless there is a 3-0 series comeback in some sport for a title or there is, you know, a 60-touchdown season in the NFL or something just absolutely never seen, never heard of, this will be at the top of it. And that's really all I have to say to it. Huge congratulations. Huge shout-out to Tiger. You deserved it, man, and hopefully we get to see you continue grow and continue to go out there. There's a lot of talk about him still getting a chance to surpass Jack Nicklaus's major title wins. He's still, I believe, four back now to compete and take over that title. It's a lot to say. We'll see how he's doing health-wise after this weekend. I think it's a little premature to say that he can still jump up and take over that, but you never know, especially when you look at this tournament and you look at how well he played. If he strings some things along... Watch out for him at Pebble Beach. You know, he's won there before. He's won by double-digit strokes there before. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Like I said, big shout-out to Tiger Woods. Congrats on the green jacket. Congrats to everyone that played at the Masters. It was just a great tournament this year all around, like I said. Especially Saturday. If you didn't watch the final round and watch all of that, Saturday was just a fantastic day. There were so many low scores. And like I said, at least two people that I remember were at... 64, which is the course record. They tied the course record for scores. But all in all, great tournament. 
Let's go ahead and turn our attention to the rest of the sports world. We saw the start of the NHL playoffs this week. We saw the start of the NBA playoffs as well. I don't really follow the NBA very much just because I'll admit it. I'm not a very big NBA fan. I don't think that it's very good basketball sometimes. Let's go ahead and take a look here at how the NHL playoffs has started so far. As of right now through two games, Washington's leading the Hurricanes through two games. Nashville and the Stars are tied one game apiece. One game apiece for Colorado and Calgary. That game last night went into overtime. That would have been Saturday. I don't know when this is going to get posted. So who knows what we're looking at this year. Or So who knows that what we're looking at right now when you guys are listening to this. And then finally, also we see Boston and Toronto tied at one game apiece. On to the next set of games. I'm kind of doing this based on when they play. Those are the four sets of games that are typically together. And then the other four sets of games that we see together, we see... Heading into tonight, we see San Jose and the Knights tied at one game apiece. Game three's tonight. We'll see who who takes the lead there. And then we see after three games, shockingly, the Islanders are up three games to zero on the Penguins. Kind of a shock. I expected them to be able to at least pull out one or two games, but now it's looking like there's a possible first round sweep for the Islanders. Another shock, the Blue Jackets are up 2-0 heading back to Columbus on the Lightning, number one seed out of the East. A thought to be Stanley Cup favorite for most people, and all of a sudden they're looking like they're in a little bit of danger. And then finally, we see St. Louis and Winnipeg. St. Louis is up two games to zero on Winnipeg. I'll admit I've not followed hockey as much as I would have liked to this year. Just things have been kind of crazy over the past several months, so I kind of fell back. But, I mean, like I said, it kind of seemed like coming into this, it was more of a who's going to meet Tampa Bay in the finals. It wasn't really... Is someone going to be able to beat Tampa Bay and head to the finals? But now we sit back and we kind of look at it as, are we going to see Tampa Bay in the finals? Is Tampa Bay going to be able to make it out of the first round? I think that they need to win tonight. And if they lose tonight, it's going to be a tough road. Like I said, 3-0 comeback is probably not going to happen if you lose tonight. So I think it all starts tonight. If you can win tonight and at least send it back to another game in Tampa Bay, that'd be huge. As for favorites, I mean... Calgary kind of seemed like a favorite coming out of the West Division. Right there behind them was Nashville. Those were the one and two seeds. I don't think that anyone really expected Calgary to be tied with Colorado after two games. But here we sit. I still think that Nashville might be one of the better teams. I don't think that they're going to make it out of the West Division this year. I think that more than less likely we are going to see the winner of this St. Louis-Winnipeg series facing someone for the finals. I think that that those two teams are really dangerous right now. And right now it's looking like St. Louis is really the dangerous team. I mean, they were bad on the start of the season. They came out and played really well towards the end of the season and just started that train a little bit too late to really end up at the top of the division to avoid kind of this 4-5 game that they have. So we'll see who comes out of that division. We'll see who comes out of the East division as well because, I mean, I really thought it was... Like I said, just like everyone else was thinking, I thought it was going to be, who's going to be playing Tampa Bay for the championship? Who's going to be playing Tampa Bay for the Stanley Cup? Here we sit two games in, and now all of a sudden, Tampa Bay looks, you know, in peril. They look in trouble. And one team that I'm really surprised and shocked about is how well the Islanders are playing right now in the playoffs. So I think that if we don't see something turn around for Tampa Bay, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Islanders make a surge and be playing for the Stanley Cup here in a couple weeks. But like I said, I didn't really follow the NHL around as much as I would have liked to this year. Things got a little crazy over the past weeks. 
and I kind of lost it over the last bit of time. As for the NBA, we see Golden State and the Clippers playing each other. Golden State won last night, so they're in the 1-0 lead. We see Denver-San Antonio. San Antonio with a surprising win last night. We also see, let's see, who else do we see out of the Western Conference? We see Portland and OKC. And then we also see Houston and the Jazz. That's for the Western Conference. For the Eastern Conference, we see Brooklyn and Philadelphia in a series right now. Surprisingly, the Nets went out and won last night. Then we also see Orlando and Toronto. And then headed over to our last two matchups, we see Milwaukee, Detroit, and Boston, Indiana. I'm going to be honest. The reason why I don't follow the NBA is because I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of competition in it right now. I feel like it's everyone's chasing the Warriors. This year very well could be the year that kind of changes my opinion on that if we see the Warriors kind of falter. I think that it's a possibility. We've seen it on and off throughout the season. While I don't follow every game, I do follow the news. I do follow the highlights and the stats. Just to kind of see what we're looking at. I don't really watch any games. And surprisingly, Golden State has not played very well, especially when DeMarcus Cousins is out there on the floor. They play significantly worse. This could be the year that we see a team who's had Golden State as their kind of their roadblock, their bump in the road that they can never seem to get over. They always seem to get stopped, whether that's Portland or that's Houston coming out of the Western Conference or it's some team coming out of the Eastern Conference now that LeBron's not there. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to have to follow along to see what goes on, but this very well could be the year that we see something finally happen in the favor of those teams. As of right now, it's setting up for the winner of the Houston series to play Golden State in the second round, which would mean we could possibly see Houston-Golden State, which was the Western Conference Finals last year, in the second round of the playoffs. And that would be a huge test for them, and it would probably take a lot out of Curry and the Warriors. So looking ahead to the higher two seeds that would potentially see them in the championship round, the Western Conference Finals would be either Portland or the Nuggets. Again, Portland, past two years, has seen Golden State in the second round and has just failed to get over that hump. If Golden State is pushed to their limits over these first couple of rounds, like I think they have the potential to be, could be in a big favor for whoever sees them in the Western Conference Finals. And if it's not, it could be an even bigger favor to see who they match up with in the championship and the NBA Finals. Because when you get beat to crap three straight rounds and you have to go... I'm taking a step back and I'm looking at it like this. You get beat to crap if you're Golden State for the first, second, and third rounds. Maybe they sweep the Clippers, which is probably what's going to happen. I don't know if Clippers can win a game this year against them. But we know that Patrick Beverly is going to be giving them crap. We know that they're going to get beat hard and they're going to get roughed up and everything because that's just what it's going to take to beat the Warriors over time. So they get beat up pretty bad in that first round. They potentially see... Paul and Harden in the second round and get, you know, beat up again there. And then let's not forget that, you know, there's a potential for them to see three teams out of that bottom half of the bracket, whether it's the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, or OKC. All three of these teams have talent. All three of these teams are going to be able to take it wire to wire. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think if you're Giannis and you're coming out of the East and it's looking more and more likely that it's probably going to be the Bucks and personally, I think it's going to be the Bucks or the Celtics coming out of this division. After what we saw out of the 76ers last night, I'm not impressed. I still think that they need one missing piece, whether that's someone to just come in and say, hey, quit messing around. Let's play basketball. 
Joel Embiid was sitting on a stinking bench looking at someone's cell phone. You can't have that if you're going to be winning a title, and it's just that simple. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about the NBA a whole lot just because as of right now, I don't know what's going to happen. I I can't sit back and predict what's going to happen, just like I can't sit back and predict what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. However, if we finally see the fall of this Golden State team before they get to the finals, we finally see the end of this streak of finals runs, then maybe I start watching. Maybe I'm back on the hook because all of a sudden we start to see these other teams actually come up and have a chance. So that's enough for the NBA. Let's go ahead and head over to baseball. There's not a whole lot to say right now. We're pretty early in the season. I'm just going to kind of, at this point, touch on some shocks versus some not shocks. I mean, some things that aren't surprising. We see the Brewers having 10-5. and They're pretty good. The Phillies and the Braves are right there towards the top of their divisions like I expected. The Indians right up there towards the top with the Twins. That's really all I've got for like not major shocks. We sit back and we take a look at the AL East. Tampa Bay is 12 and 4 in the lead. Like I was not expecting that. I expected them to be a little bit more middling, like I said in the preview. Oh, for a while, Boston was last place in the division. Now they're 6 and 10 sitting at a tie for third place. Just a half game back of the Yankees. It's, it's early in the season. Most teams are right around 16 games played. So it's hard to truly predict anything from this. But one thing that's really shocked me is how well the Mariners have started. 13 and four. I was not expecting this. They have played their brains out. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Seattle, but if they keep playing like this for the first two or three months of the season, all they're going to have to do is play 500 ball over the course of the last couple of months of the season to make it to the playoffs and end that drought. We saw it with the Cubs in 2016. They played to a 26-9 and nine start and then only had to play 500 ball the rest of the way to make it to the playoffs. And let's not forget how that season ended for the Cubs. Unfortunately, they do have a pretty top-heavy division with the Astros and the Athletics playing really well and the Angels are not playing terribly right now. They're without Mike Trout for... An unforeseen amount of time, he could be back as soon as Monday, but they're going to see what the second opinion says. He heard his groin earlier in the season. Then we're going to turn our looks over to the NL for a little bit, just a couple minutes. And Nationals are 7-7. Seven and seven. They're right around 500 like I expected. Phillies and the Braves are both at 8 wins. The Mets are at 9-5, and five, playing pretty well. Finally getting some offensive support around them. And keep in mind, they don't have Jed Lowry. He's started the year on the uh, injured list and still isn't back. So still some positive things to come for the Mets. In the Central, we see, like I said, the Brewers on top at 10-5. and five. Kind of expected them to start the season off pretty well. They've had a relatively easy start of the schedule, I guess you could say. They've played the Cubs and the Cardinals, which is pretty tough. But then they've also played some lower teams. You know, the Cubs are not playing well right now at... Five and nine. I, as a Cubs fan, I am very disappointed in how the season started. However, it's what I called coming into the season. Right now, this pitching does not look good. This pitching staff has not looked good at all throughout the season. Then we go out and we see John Lester get hurt, and he was running the bases and everything when he got hurt. So that takes out all of a sudden, you know, someone who was supposed to be our ace. Kyle Hendricks has not pitched well this season. We did see back-to-back stellar outings from. Jose Quintana and Cole Hamels, which are very positive signs for two of our middling guys in the rotation. If we can get them going, it'll be big. We did see a good outing from the bullpen after John Lester went out with an injury. Unfortunately, they're just something is not clicking with this Cubs team. It's still, like I said, 16 games into the season. For the Cubs, they've only played 14. Today's game got rained out, which would have been 15. So it is a little something to be looking at. 
However, it is early in the season. I know that in the end of the season, we always sit back and go, those games in March, those games in the beginning of April did matter. And they probably will matter in the long run. But right now, it's still early in the season. They still have a chance to kind of correct things. Until we get to about that 30 to 40 game mark, that's when I'm going to start worrying about the Cubs. So they've still got a few more games to try and right the ship. However, one team that I really am worried about, I expected this team to win the NL West, and that's the Rockies. They're 3-12, and and they just have not looked good this season. As of today, Nolan Arenado is in the no home runs club. I don't believe that he has hit a home run yet. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, as of right now, 61 at-bats, 15 hits, a 246 average, which isn't bad to start the season, but he doesn't have any home runs. And, that's, I mean, that's not a big thing, but when you're sitting back and you're at 3-12, and 12, something's got to start changing. I truly expected this team to be at the top of the division. I expected the Dodgers to be second. But here we sit, and the team that I expected to be at the bottom of this division in San Diego, or at least near the bottom, is 11-5, and five, and they're looking like a serious contender right now. Obviously, like I said for the Cubs, like I've said for these other teams, it is still early in the season. We aren't even the 20 games in the season yet. But this is a team that is looking like they could potentially keep something strong together. Obviously, once we start to get into the more serious stretch of the schedule when teams are playing in better weather and we're not seeing cold temperatures and we're not seeing teams that are coming out and players that just have not gotten into regular season shape, whether that was because they were batting injury in the preseason or whatever it was, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Padres team. I thought that they could, if the stars aligned for them perfectly, make a push for the playoffs this year. I thought they were still one year and a pitcher away from it. However, maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I could sit here and I could overanalyze every single one of these teams, overanalyze every single one of these records and say, oh, this is what's going wrong for this team. Oh, but we also have to look at this for this team. Like, it's, it's as plain and simple as this. Most teams are somewhere between 14 to 16 games played. That's pretty much where everyone's at. I can't, I don't see anyone here that's played less than 14 games, and I don't see anyone here that's played more than 16 games. So what we have to do is we have to take a step back and we have to remind ourselves, this has not been your average weather patterns for the start of the season. It's been cold, it's been warm, it's been rainy, and it's just been a mix of stuff. There have been some really freak injuries, there have been some really freak plays that have happened, and a lot can happen over the course of 162 games. We still have over 100 games left. Until we get to about the 30-40 game range in the season, when we can really start judging what we're seeing from teams and what we're seeing from starting rotations, I can't sit back and analyze anything. What is interesting, however, we finally saw Chris Davis get a hit. He was 0 for 54, I believe, before he finally got his first hit. And shout out to him, I guess. I mean, that's not something you want to be known for, but it is what he is known for now. That is really all I have for baseball. It's really all I have for sports in general. We got the draft coming up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to put something together for the NFL draft in time or not. More than less likely, I'll put something together recapping the draft. It'll be kind of my bridge podcast before I start my next MLB podcast that's really going to go in-depth as to what we've seen throughout the season because about that time should be around that 30 to 40 game mark that will really be able to tell us what we can expect from teams going forward throughout this season. But as of right now, that is all I've got for you guys. Thanks for listening. If you guys have any questions, you can email us. We have an email, benchwarmingpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, benchwarmingpod as our tag. We try to post things pretty frequently, keep Sports at World updated. It's been pretty crazy for me over the past couple of months, especially over the past couple of weeks. So I've kind of fallen back on my duties there. 
I found out I got into med school, so I was taking some time to kind of enjoy that with my friends and family, celebrating that with them. And then, like I said, all last week I was pretty sick, so I really didn't get a chance to post anything over the past really month because I've just been trying to enjoy my time. But everything's out of the way. Everything's been celebrated. I'm starting to feel better, so be ready. I'm going to get back on it, especially now that baseball season has started, something that I'm truly interested in. But we have playoff season coming at us now with the NHL and the NBA. I will be following those. I will be posting about those. And the season's going to start heating up soon for baseball. So hopefully, hopefully I'll be back on my two-week schedule. Should put us right around the draft. I might wait until after the draft to post something just so that I can get that post-draft grading slash recap thing that I'm really wanting to get this year for the draft. But thanks for sitting around. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever it is. Share us, blast us, put us everywhere, help us grow. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, peace.